Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 218, Eye to the Earth. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, and astronauts, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight. If you're like me, uh, you follow pretty much every astronaut on social media, uh, and you know that when they're on board the International Space Station, they like to spend time in the cupola, the bay window that looks down at the Earth, and they share photos of incredibly beautiful parts of the planet. You might think that they're the lucky few who get to take such pictures, but there's actually a way where middle school students can get their own photos taken from station. This is part of the Sally Ride Earth Cam, or Earth Knowledge Acquired by Middle School Students program. Students pick a place on the planet of their choosing, and a simple setup on the space station will take the photo for them. They learn about space, geography, social science, and more. On this episode, we're going to dive deep into this program with the Vice President of Education at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center, Dr. Kay Taylor. So let's get right into it. Enjoy. T-minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Launch commit light circuit. There she goes. Kay Taylor, thanks so much for coming on Houston Wave Podcast today. Thanks a lot for having me. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about EarthCam. Um, this has been a program that I have been aware of, but haven't really dove too deep into what it is and, and how it started. And so I'm excited to be talking to you today. But before we get into EarthCam, I want to learn a little bit more about you, what it takes to be the person running this thing. Um, so, so Kay, tell me about yourself. Um... I've been at the uh, the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. I guess this is now my seventh year. Before that, I had a, a career in journalism and mass communication, and I taught at the collegiate level um, for many years, but uh, was a native of uh, North Alabama. And it's interesting. I, I kind of thought everyone grew up sitting around the table talking about NASA missions uh, growing up, <laughs> and I discovered that that's not the case. Um, I am uh, was uh, born and raised in in North Alabama. My dad worked at, at NASA. And my mom was a teacher for many many years, and NASA was always just sort of in the conversation. And as I went away and pursued my own career, I always kept up with with North Alabama and particularly Huntsville and 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 NASA, and uh, moved back to the area when my parents were a little older and, and, and needed a bit of assistance and came to the U.S. Space and Rocket Center in a communications capacity and, and then moved into the role of education. And shortly after I moved into education, NASA presented the opportunity that, that they were going to be um, continuing this amazing program that I had heard about called the Sally Ride Earth Camp. And what Earth Camp was, and still is today, is this amazing STEM experience aimed at middle school students, but really open to all um, secondary education classrooms, um, to take part in live science on the International Space Station. And so the Rocket Center was, was very excited when uh, <laughs> NASA let us continue the work that, that literally was begun by Dr. Sally Ride, uh, America's first woman in space, um, 
in in 2016, and we've been we've been going along, and we're in our we're in our our second period of performance with the program, and we're continuing to reach students uh, not only across the country uh, but around the world. That's fantastic, and that's really what I wanted to get into, into today, Kay. Is is what this is, and really how it's expanded uh, to involve more and more people. Um, you know, I think growing up in the, you said Northern Alabama, I, I believe that's the Huntsville area. I want to get a sense because, uh, to be honest, a lot of my guests are from Houston, and, and I'm very familiar with with what it's like here. It's it's very much the same. We have astronauts as neighbors, which is pretty cool, um, and it's uh, you know it's a it's an interesting place to grow up, and and we have something you know like the NASA Johnson Space Center right in our backyard, and it's. And it's very interesting. I wonder when you when you talk about NASA was always a part of the conversation. I wonder, I wonder what that was like. Can you paint a picture of just uh, how it was? Uh, how you know what what led to your belief that this was a much larger, much widely known uh, thing in the northern Alabama area? Well, uh, it was just it was our it was the daily experience of my dad would come in and and he would be talking about you know the latest. Uh, latest de- developments in the SDS program, or he came home and he said, you know, we're, we're going to build this, this giant telescope. It's called Hubble. Um, <laughs> he was in the, he was in the uh, business administration side of NASA at Marshall Space Flight Center here, but it, it, we were just always talking about, you know, what the next big achievements for NASA um, were going to be. And I remember, you know, he, he kept me out of school when the, when the first, um, when the first orbiter, uh, made one of those famous 747 piggyback flights, uh, they, they, they flew it into Huntsville so that they could test it at Marshall. And, you know, we, we stood on one of the roofs of the buildings and, and, and watched that, you know, watch that orbiter, um, come across, come across Marshall Space Flight Center. And, I just assumed everyone was talking about it, uh, but I, but that was, you know, that was often not the case. Um, and I, th- I think that maybe was one of the things that so attracted me to the, to the position here at the U S space and rocket center is that the rocket center functions as the visitor center for Marshall space flight center. It is our job to tell the story of Marshall space flight center and the story of space exploration. So, um, for me, it was just a way to to bring what I grew up with and what I continue to keep up with, and hopefully use some of my communication skills and some of my um, education skills uh, to to make that story more widely known. And the U.S. Space and Rocket Center here in Huntsville is truly um, it's it's truly the front porch of of Huntsville, Alabama. It is it is where um, NASA story unfolds. It's where we tell the story of propulsion. It's where we st- tell the story of advances in spaceflight and, and where we're going. Um, it's the home of, of space camp where, you know, each year thousands upon thousands of, of students come through and they, and they learn about space exploration. They learn about our roots in space exploration, and then they, they kind of chart their own course from there. See, that's one thing I always am so jealous of, Kay, is when I hear these stories of, of Space Camp. I just, 
maybe it was a uh, lack of my own understanding. I grew up in the Pennsylvania area, and so maybe it was just something that wasn't wasn't close enough, right? But it's just it's it's a it sounds like a a, a gateway. The way you describe it is perfect to to understand more and get and get engaged with, and maybe even dedicate a career to uh, spaceflight. Um, and that's wonderful. And you mentioned in the beginning, Kay, uh, when you were talking about your your path that led you to where you are. You talked about this program, and that's really the basis of our conversation today is this Earth Camp program, and you, and you prefaced it with Sally Ride. You called it the Sally Ride Earth Camp. Um, just who is Sally Ride, and why why is this program named after her? Uh, Sally Ride. Sally Ride was um, America's first woman in space. She was, she was an accomplished astronaut. She was a fantastic scientist. She was such an ambassador for the American space program post Apollo generation. I, I think I think Sally embodied uh, where space exploration quickly was headed, um, expanded opportunity, uh, expanded horizons, and it was actually Dr. Ride who who proposed the uh, this original program, which began as um, a program that was called um, KidSat, and she knew that from her own experiences in space, um, that viewing the earth from space, uh, often changed the astronaut's perspective of the earth, uh, that suddenly, you know, you're, you're above the earth and you look down and, and there's this almost fragile looking, um, marble that, contains all of life. And, and, you know, many astronauts have, have commented on, on how that change in viewpoint, uh, that change in, in altitude, if you will, um, mm-hmm. changed, changed their way of seeing the earth. And she thought, what an amazing tool if, if we could allow students to have kind of a, a similar experience to that. What if we allowed students to choose how they view the earth and so she was you know an incredibly um gifted analytical mind she said well let's think about this what if we uh, what if we were to put a camera um on the shuttle and then as it transitioned to the to the iss put a, put a camera in space and allow students to select where that camera photographs an image based upon where the shuttle or the ISS was passing over uh, in orbit. And it's a a very straightforward concept. It took a little bit of engineering to develop the protocols that would allow students on Earth to create a digital file to upload to the ISS to control a Nikon camera aboard the International Space Station. But of course, because it's NASA, it all sounds easy. Um, but, it, but it was, it was such a straightforward concept. And so, um, as I mentioned, it's, it, it tested as prototype on the shuttle, but it launched on the ISS in, uh, in, in 2001. And since then, um, being hosted through, um, UC San Diego at Sally Ride Science and then later coming to us, um, over a million images have been requested by school children from around the globe. Um, we've had over a million students 
take part in our mission weeks through through Earth Camp. Uh, we, you know, we're we're anticipating two missions in the fall coming up. And when I say missions, um, because it does require some crew time, and because it does require assets on board the ISS, we run targeted mission weeks, typically four to five a year. And in that mission week, students from around the world uh, can uh, can log in and determine the orbit of the ISS, where it's passing over, and select when they would like the shutter on the camera to click, thus capturing their image of a particular geographic location. Um, so over the lifespan of this program, we've had students from, uh, I believe, every state and in over 60 countries who have, who have done just that, logged in, studied the latitude and longitude of the orbits as the, as the ISS passed over, and determined where to operate that camera. And then uh, through the engineering genius of, of, of NASA and, and the Sally Ride program, uh, the student then receives back uh, the image, which are, which are held in a, in a database, and the student can go back and, and find their image and know that for a, a moment, they operated a scientific instrument aboard the International Space Station. And as we, as we are um, struggling through uh, COVID and the, and the incredible, incredible tensions that our, our school teachers and our students are facing and the, the, the stretching of resources, the, the great thing about this program is there's no cost associated with it. And a teacher can, um, can sign up and, and the students can take more than one image. Um, so it's, it's really, it's a great way to, to bring science into classrooms. And, uh, and, it, and it's at no cost to the school districts. So it sounds like, Kay, it's just, um, you just have to find wherever you are. It just sounds like you have to find a link and then do you have to submit, do you have to work with your students to submit their ideas or their locations, whatever they want to go? Um, does it have to be that specific week or can you do it like way in advance? Nope. It's got to be within the, it's got to be within the mission weeks because okay. as, as I'm sure you're aware, the ISS um, shifts somewhat in mm -hmm. each orbit. So uh, we will typically working with the, working with some of our, our partners, we have some great technical partners. Um, we have um, uh, Teledyne Brown Engineering, that that is our our kind of uh, liaison between uh, International Space Station and payloads, and the Sally Ride Earth Cam website. And then we have um, we have the um, Atmospheric Sciences. Um, department at the University of Alabama Huntsville, whose graduate students and undergraduate students actually run the mission weeks for us. And then we also have um, great partners in the Information Technology and Systems Center at University of Alabama Huntsville who help us populate those orbits and get those published. Mm -hmm. And then a teacher logs in and registers 
in the in the Sally Ride EarthCam program at uh, EarthCam.org, and um, our partners at UAH send code words back to the teacher, which allow the students during active mission weeks to go in and request their images. And it, and there, so you can you can see I I, I said that it, it sounds amazingly easy because it's NASA and was developed by Sally Ride Science. There are several steps involved, which allow um, targeted controlled access to um, to orbit data, which is used for each specific mission, which varies from mission to mission and occurs within um, selected mission weeks. So it's it's an elegantly elaborate yet very practical program that again allows school children access to real-time science on the ISS. I'd be so pumped if I was a middle school student and got to click the shutter button on a camera in space. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> well, you know we can we can we can work with you. Uh, we can work with you because we have while the while it was originally targeted. Um, for middle school students, we have we have allowed um, certainly any teacher in public education uh, can access our program. We're not going to say, "Oh, you're a fourth grade teacher." No, no, you cannot participate. We've we've tried to expand our um, our opportunities because the teacher or the educator has to register. Each registration is verified by the EarthCam team. Um, to make sure that that this is for educational purposes, and um, and we have had success with um, schools taking part, after school learning environments coming on board with us. So we can we can definitely work with you if you'd like to if you'd like to take part in an upcoming mission. All right, I'll just find the right teacher. Um, <laughs> so. So uh, I'm, I'm stuck on the, uh, the the execution of this, right? And I got a lot of other questions too, but but I'm wondering during a mission week, right? So say I'm a student, I'm, lo- I'm logging on, and uh, how, how many orbits can I see to make sure that if I'm interested in a particular area, how far how far ahead in the mission week can I see to, to see? Maybe maybe it's it won't, I, I have to wait a couple of days until the orbit lines up just right where I can take a picture of the thing that I want to take a picture of. So do you get a lot of that data ahead of time so you can Absolutely. make decisions? Absolutely. Well, cool. Absolutely. Um, when, when we open up a mission window, we have the orbits projected for the entire uh, mission sequence. So, and, and it will be broken out on the website literally by orbital days. So if you look at day one, there, there may not be a clear path over the target you're interested in, in uh, capturing, or it may be that you look at the orbits and you say, hmm, given the orbits this time, maybe on, on day two, I want to capture that picture of Cairo. Uh, I didn't think I wanted to to capture an image of Cairo, but now that I look at it, it seems that that's that's how I want to set my target up. And you'll um, you'll be able to plug in the latitude and longitude and request that image. And that's through looking at the um, the orbital map associated with with each mission week. I see. Okay. Now, now to, to give a better sense of the, you know, these orbital maps and the perspective 
you talked about this thing called the International Space Station, and that's and that's where the camera is. So so high level, what what exactly is the space station, and why is this a good place to put a camera to take pictures of the Earth? <laughs> so the International Space Station is an orbiting scientific lab that's been um, just quietly going about its business, zooming around the Earth about 250 miles above the surface of the Earth for the past 22 years. Um, it is, it is a, it's, a, it's a remarkable um, accomplishment, not only of, um, of science, but it's a remarkable accomplishment of diplomacy because of the countries involved in building the space station, assembling the space station in space, which is a pretty incredible achievement on its own accord. But the ISS is a, a multinational lab and the, the astronauts on board the um, ISS have conducted for two decades studies in material science, studies in the development of, of, of crystalline structures that are leading to better medicines to help us back here on Earth. Um, they have demonstrated how humans can live off the Earth for extended periods of time. And, and the ISS is, has really been a staging ground as we figure out where we go next in space, whether that's uh, the moon, whether that's Mars, whether that's who knows where. Um, the ISS has been a training ground, but it's also been a, a fantastic place of pure science. Um, and so to have this camera on board this, this orbiting laboratory, it, it's a, there's a constant revolution uh, under, under, underneath where you see the, you see the earth. Uh, what better vantage point to capture the earth than from space? And we have two lenses that are interchanged on the camera. One is a 50 millimeter lens, one is a 180 millimeter lens. So there is a time, uh, a, a view that is a little more um, enhanced than at other times, um, depending on the lens. But over the years, with, with these thousands of image requests that have come from students around the world, um, we have almost a historical look at the Earth uh, from space that's literally, that has literally mirrored the time that the ISS um, has been in orbit. So we have a kind of a 20-year a, a time sequence of the Earth from space. Now, uh, some, of the, some of the images, I'm not going to lie, feature a lot of clouds because there typically are clouds mm. between the ISS and the, and the Earth. But, uh, <laughs> but there are, you know, there are, there, are, there are coastlines that you can look at. Um, by using your lat and long coordinates, uh, you can go back through the images that, that we've hosted and have collected over the years. You can go back and look at coastline changes. You can go back and look at, at uh, how, how cities have grown. Um, there, you know, if you figure out the latitude and longitude of some, some uh, large population centers, if images have been captured, you have a, you have a now and then comparison or a, a time lapse. So 
not only is it is it the student capturing the image, but it's then thinking about how can I take this image that I've captured and images that have been captured in the past and learn more. Um, we have teachers from across disciplines who find value in bringing the EarthCam program um, into their classroom. Uh, certainly, learning about coordinates and, and learning about uh, and learning about geography uh, is is an important function with this particular program. Uh, as I mentioned, with the clouds, you get a really great view of clouds from space, <laughs> which is a different perspective than you get of clouds from Earth. So there's there's a, a, a tremendous utility there, and one of my favorite. Um, applications. Um, we talk about, we talk about EarthCam with the various professional development programs for teachers we run. One of my favorite applications is when, um, um, art teachers talk about how they use EarthCam in their classrooms, where they talk about the colors and textures of the planet. Um, or when they, when they show these, these wonderful, wonderful photos with maybe the clouds give the, the appearance of the earth below this almost, you know, this, this, um, uh, uh or even like some kind of Jackson Pollock effect, um, that they say that using photos of the earth as a way to inspire creativity from an artist's eye, that's something we don't often think about when we're talking about something that is traditionally a STEM education um, experience. But you know, it, it all interconnects. Yeah, and it sounds that way. It sounds like there's a lot of different applications to this. Um, you mentioned you mentioned when you talked about the International Space Station as a platform for all this research and and, and in this particular case, education activities. My mind started going to just how it works. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the technical aspect of things. You mentioned changing lenses. You mentioned a camera. Um, how exactly is the EarthCam, we'll call it equipment, uh, how is the equipment set up on the International Space Station to perform this work? Sure. Um, again, here's, here's the elegance of simplicity. It is a camera that is connected to a laptop. And on the laptop, uh, I mean, the camera's connected by a cable to the laptop. And the, and the laptop has... Um, has uploaded to it from here in Huntsville, um, the camera control files, which tell the camera, which is of course an electronic uh, DSL uh, camera, when to, uh, I, I don't want to say fire, I would say to, um, to depress the shutter, which causes the, you know, the shutter to, to collapse and, and capture the, the image. Um, the, the camera files are compiled when students go through the, the web portal and enter their uh, latitude and longitude data. They can, they can include a bit more um, um, uh, secondary data, like, like almost like labels. They can label, you know, Brandon's, Brandon's shot of the pyramids of Egypt or, you know, uh, uh, the Colosseum of Rome or the Amazon basin. Um, really seen some astounding photos of the Mississippi 
river flowing into uh, the the Gulf, um, and you can you can put that tag on it so that there's a little there's a little metadata there that you can understand what it is you're looking at. So that goes into the the photo request, and those those requests are compiled. And then they literally, the electronic file is uh, transmitted to the, to the ISS, to the laptop on board, which then operates the shutter, syncing up the latitude and longitude with the orbital passover. It captures the, captures the image. And then the images are sent back, um, usually within a day or so, they will appear populated on the website and a student using the code word, they can check their file and they can download the photo. They can save it on their computer. They can then use that photo. I don't know, in a, in a report that explains how they spent their time on the ISS or (laughs) if they are, um, if they're looking to do some sort of um, using that data in support of another educational program, it's all there. So, so it's wonder, literally, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask because because uh, I'm thinking um, uh, I'm thinking of the the different shots you can get right when you're when you're executing this and it sounds like you're getting the images and it's going through this web portal. You talked mm-hmm. about changing changing lenses at some point. Is that per mission week? So for this mission week, you get you get this lens, and then this week you're going to get some nice close ups, and then another week <laughs> you'll get or 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 are astronauts going on and changing lenses during during the mission week? The astronaut will, one of the astronauts on board the International Space Station will change out the lens, uh, typically once during a mission, about midway through, uh, will go from a, from a 180 to a 50 millimeter lens. So in both instances, because of the, um, because that the International Space Station is roughly 250 miles above the surface of the earth, you're, you're not going to get, um, you're not going to be able to get a shot of your house. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's, um, but the 180 or the 50 does change the field of view. Um, if you're, if you're familiar with, uh, with photography, if you've, you've taken photos, you know that um, the, the smaller the number of the millimeter lens, so the 50 millimeter lens has a wider view than the 180 millimeter lens. The 180 tends to, if, if you were to take pictures side by side, um, the 180 would appear to be um, of a smaller area by by field of view. And you may not, I, I don't think you really want to get into that at all on, on your podcast because I'm kind of butchering it and that's kind of in the weeds. Um, the, the bottom line, though, is that at, at midway point in the mission week, an astronaut does go in and change the lens out. Very cool. Yeah, now, and and the weeds are great. Uh, we we like we like details here, and that, that's for sure. So you talked about um, the way that teachers and schools are able to access the EarthCam program. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned an EarthCam pr- portal. Uh, c- can you talk about how that works? How how a if a teacher is interested in working with your program and, and decides to submit a registration and gets approved, how they work with, um, with EarthCam to, to execute some of this. Right. So um, once a teacher has, has registered 
um, for the program. As we get closer to mission weeks, um, we send out communications to let to let the teacher know when we've posted the orbits, because by as we get as we get closer to the mission week, we can accurately project where the International Space Station will be passing above Earth. So now it's time for the students to look at those orbits and select their targets. When they select the, the target they would like to photograph, the EarthCam um, program sends the teacher a list of, of code words, and it's a, a random sequence of letters and numbers that then the students go into the portal and enter that code word. And then it also allows them to enter the latitude and longitude that they wish to target. Mm -hmm. And from there, they, when they hit submit, when, um, um, at different points in the day during mission week, those files are, um, uploaded to the international space station and the laptop cycles through those requests and captures those images, which are then sent back to um, Earth and are cleaned up and are then uh, sent to the EarthCam portal where we store them. Okay. And yeah, and you already mentioned that a lot of these are, are search, searchable. So so there's and there's a big repository of images already. Given the amount of participation, right? We, we, you talked about you talked about all the schools. Uh, you said every state, and you said I think sixty countries was was the uh, uh, was the number that you said. I wonder if you have a sense based on your history with uh, U.S. Space and Rocket Center and with this or with Earth with this EarthCam project, how you've seen the program grow and expand and reach new audiences. Uh, what have you seen just in your in your tenure with uh, U.S. Space and Rocket Center? You know, it's interesting in looking at the data we have from the from the missions from um, from schools around the country and schools around the world. Um, there are certain states uh, where we always, we just know we're going to have good participation from those states. And not surprisingly, you might call uh, some of those states space states. Uh, Texas, <laughs> Florida, California, great participation. Then you see other states that maybe you wouldn't actually think of um, participating in strong numbers as well. The same goes with our international part. There are some partners that have been long-standing participants with uh, Sally Ride EarthCam. Indeed, there are some schools that have been long-time participants with the program. Um, we have tremendous participation from countries like India, Poland. Poland uh, has been a, a participant with this program for the entire two decades. Um, so I, I think it's... What we've been striving to do is increase the educational visibility of the program and the educational utility of the program. Um, and one of the things that, that has been, I think, a, a nice development has been that we've been able to offer more students uh, and more classes additional code words, and we've encouraged teachers. If we, if we sent you enough code words for each of your students to submit an image, 
send us another request so we can give you more code words. And we have expanded um, the number of image requests and the number of images we're capturing because you know you, you have to realize the program is somewhat bounded because there are only so many seconds in the mission week. And when the camera is operating at, at, at full speed, it can take a, it can, it can snap an image at about one to two seconds apart. So, you know, you, you can't say, well, we will, we'll accommodate 300 million images over the, over the course of the week, because literally the camera can only function as quickly as the camera can function and recover. So what we've been, what we've been focusing on is trying to reach broader audiences. As I mentioned, it was originally begun as a middle school program. We're trying to show utility for that teacher. We're trying to show the, we're trying to demonstrate ways that, that a, a first grade teacher or a high school teacher can find value in using the science um, on board the ISS. So while we're, while we're seeking to expand reach, we're also seeking to expand accessibility. Very good. Um, and so building off of that, uh, you know, I wonder what kind of support the EarthCam project has. I know NASA is, is one of the agencies that supports Sally Ride EarthCam, and that's, and that's, you know, that is a very large reason why, why we're discussing this today is because we're talking about NASA's overall effort, efforts to, uh, for Earth science and, and Earth-based projects, and this is, this is a big one because of, of its um, uh, unique reach. But I wonder who else uh, is able to support Sally Ride EarthCam and the support that you're getting. Um, this is an, a NASA uh, outreach program, and we manage the program. Um, as I mentioned, we have, um, we have subcontracting partners in the University of Alabama Huntsville and uh, Teledyne Brown Engineering. And then we all coordinate and work with our, our partners at NASA Marshall and, and NASA Johnson um, to accomplish this, this, uh, this amazing outreach effort that has such global reach and is just a, is just a way to, to put education at the forefront and showcasing the importance of uh, international participation and cooperation in space. Wonderful. Um, now I wonder you, you're going back to the schools for a second. We've talked a lot about how the um, you know how the equipment works and, and how schools are engaging. but I wonder if you know in your in your years of supporting Sally Ride Earthcam, uh, if you've heard some anecdotes from some teachers on how this has impacted students or or different teachers' lessons on how they approach uh, unique subjects like space and, and coordinates and geography or or earth science clouds uh, whatever whatever it may be, I wonder if you have some anecdotes that that have been passed your way on on how this program is is reaching and and influencing kids and, and teachers. Sure, I. Uh... I've had, I've had student, I mean, excuse me, I've had teachers, um, uh, tell me that, um, students have used their EarthCam photograph to show that there are no borders visible in space, uh, which is a 
pretty profound thought. Um, I've had I've had teachers describe how their students were keen to look at the images to try and and determine what effect humans are having on the earth, again, by trying to match up as best possible an image they've taken with that same area taken at some point in the past. Um, I've had teachers uh, discuss how students use the use the program to um, to demonstrate real-time phenomena. We've had a couple of fantastic photographs of hurricanes, um, volcanoes, um, flood areas. Students are, are using the program to get a better perspective of their earth in very real time. They, they would direct their, um, their photographs based upon something they had read about or heard about uh, in the news. I know of one teacher who had a goal in their classroom to try and capture soccer stadiums of Europe. I mean, you know, so, so the topics, the topics can range. Um, I had a, uh, had a teacher describe how um, he had used the uh, earth cam as a way for his students to document life in Cuba. And this was for a high school level, um, um, World Civ class. So I, I, I love to hear how teachers have found um, to, to use the program because the, the teachers are the real innovators. Um, but, and, and whenever I see something that is truly cross-disciplinary, um, I love it. Uh, and, then, and then, as I mentioned, yeah, it's a great way to study clouds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is absolutely fascinating. Just because you know you think uh, you know you got students taking pictures of the Earth. Okay, great, but but what are they doing with it? And it sounds right. like the creativity here is is limitless. I wonder I wonder what you've learned. You know, from from when you first started, how your mind has has expanded just based on some of the input and based on some of the maybe feedback that you've received uh, that that can be implemented into the program going forward. Well, it's. It, I think I think what I've learned is that um, Australia just doesn't take a bad photo. You know, it's just Australia <laughs> is just like the most photogenic continent we have. I learned that um, the blues, the the blues of the water, the the oranges, the reds, the greens, the grays of the landmass itself. It's just if 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 Earth had a supermodel, it's it's probably going to be Australia. Um, <laughs> I think, I think for myself, um, I, I love looking at on these static images, the movement of the earth. And by that, I mean, images of clouds, images of water, images of, of sand, images of coastlines, all of this that's captured in that, in that split second, you're seeing, you're seeing this dynamic, dynamic moving earth. And uh, it, it, there's just, you know, there's just a, to use the phrase, there's a vibe about it. There is, there's like this vibration about it. Um, I think that's been a lot of fun. Um, but again, I, I turn completely to the teachers um, as the innovators because um, they're, they're finding ways to, to bring in art, history, politics, you know, sociology, 
geology, geography. Um, they're the they're the ones who really push the program. We just seek to to give a program to them that they can come back to again and again. <laughs> and and that's that's sort of where I want to leave off. Kay is is asking you. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the, the growth of the program. It's been around for a number of years, but now you're all over the United States and all over the world. And you mentioned that you're, you're trying to reach audiences beyond middle school. You talked about earlier the middle school, and even there are some high school applications that could be used for a, something, something unique as a civics class, right? Um, but I wonder what excites you thinking about the potential of the program and, and going forward uh, and, how, and the continued use of, of this camera and these views coming from the International Space Station for years to come. Well, certainly we're going to be um, we're going to be shifting over to a newer model uh, Nikon camera. And with that, we're going to have enhanced richness in the images uh, because of the because of the um, the increased and improved optics, we, we may be able to better push a night photography experience because currently, um, because it is just a standard camera loaded into, um, into one of the, the windows facing earth, um, you cannot photograph in, in, uh, in periods of darkness as the, as the, space station flies over, the, the sun has to be reflecting off the earth for you to capture the image. With this, with this new Nikon that we've got coming on board, we may be able to really push that and capture some nighttime technology. Uh, with, with nighttime light, you realize your shutter speed is slowed to capture the light and the International Space Station is trucking along at about 17,000 miles an hour. So that's difficult, <laughs> but we're looking forward to testing it out and seeing if we can capture uh, nighttime um, images of Earth, which would be uh, a great way to study, uh, first of all, the beauty of night lights, but it would also allow you to talk about uh, dark skies, light pollution, uh, it would allow you to highlight the, the, the human footprint at night on Earth. So, you know, the, the ability to capture uh, night photography on Earth would be great. Uh, but also just, just getting the, the newer camera aboard, we're upgrading the, the camera files, so we should have better performance of the program. But being able to use the enhanced optics uh, clearer, uh, higher resolution images that at the same time, as you know, if you increase the size of the files, you're increasing the data needs. So we're going to have to try and hit a fine balance between, um, between, uh, working the camera in tandem with the laptop and capturing larger image files. But we have, um, we have about 20 years of data. And you can see over time with upgrades to the software and upgrades to the camera, you can see better images. I think when we're able to bring um, this new camera online, which should be this calendar year, um, I, I think the images are only going to get better through the program. That is super exciting, Kay, and, and I think that's a perfect place to leave off is just to, with the anticipation of, of some great technology to come. So 
Kay, Kay, I really want to uh, thank you so much for your participation in the podcast today. I certainly learned a lot uh, about this program and, and, and a lot of the unique ways uh, that just images from International Space Station can, can be used. And, and it's super exciting to see the reach uh, and how it's reaching students and teachers and, and getting folks involved uh, and spreading awareness of what we do on the space station. So, Kay, thanks uh, again for coming on this podcast and sharing what you do. I, I, I really appreciate uh, you reaching out. I'm I'm so glad to be part of this incredible podcast. And I would just say for, for my final word, anyone who would be interested in joining up on our next mission, it's uh, earthcam.org. You can, you can work with us. We're going to be, as I noted, we're going to be upgrading the optics. We'll be upgrading the, um, the camera files. And we're going to, in the next year, upgrade the website to hopefully give a, a cleaner uh, experience. So come along with us and uh, join us uh, four to five times a year and uh, take a picture from space. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Kay. Have a good one. Thanks. Hey, thanks for sticking around. I hope you learned something today with Dr. Kay Taylor. I know I did. Didn't really know a lot about the Sally Ride EarthCam program, but uh, now I do. It's one of the many NASA uh, experiments or educational programs that we have on board the International Space Station. Check them all out at nasa.gov ISS. If you're into podcasts, we're just one of many at NASA. You can check them all out at nasa.gov slash podcasts. Uh, we have our full collection of episodes there as well as transcripts for all of those episodes. If you want to talk to us, though, we're on the Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform to submit an idea for the show and make sure to mention it's for us at Houston We Have a Podcast. This episode was recorded on August 30th, 2021. Thanks again to Alex Perryman, Pat Ryan, Norma Moran, Belinda Polito, Rachel Berry, and Aaron Anthony. And of course, thanks again to Kay Taylor for taking the time to come on the show. Give us a rating and feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on, and tell us what you think of our podcast. We'll be back next week.